Greetings, ladies and mandelgents, and welcome to this narration of the web series The Nature of Predators, taken from r slash hfy. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 6 Memory Transcription Subject Slanik Venlil Space Core Date Standardized Human Time August 21st, 2136 the first humans to appear on Venlil broadcast were concealed by Vaxuit and did not speak a word. The watching world had just crawled from our bunkers, only to find our leaders linking arms with predators. The immediate closure of the borders was the sole thing that prevented a mass exodus, and word from getting back to the Federation. There was a great deal of skepticism from the public, as Governor Tarva had proclaimed that these beasts were peaceful. We were all waiting for them to throw their lot in with the Oxor and prove her wrong. Instead, the United Nations pledged military aid days later and showered Venlol Prime with food donations. Our citizens slowly warmed to the primates, touched by their outpouring of generosity. The sum of their good works quieted the voices calling for human extinction. For the most part, the Terran astronauts were relentless too, on a television tour espousing peace. Their behavior reflected well on their species as a whole. But at the end of the day, few wanted to meet a predator in the flesh. As human volunteers took to the stars, their scientific communities of two worlds worked to smooth over our first interactions. We found ourselves inundated by Terran entertainment, granting us a peek behind their bestial exterior. The first literature Earth shared with us was Frankenstein, which I'm pretty sure was a thinly failed analogy how do you convince the world that you're not a monster when they decide with a single glance? The scientists decided that it would make a difference mentally for us to bond and to see them as people. A program was launched to talk to humans via chat. No videos or images. Their appearance was stuff of nightmares. So it was easier to start without that in mind. Out of morbid curiosity, and perhaps some pity for Frankenstein's wretch, I had volunteered. The human I spoke to was named Marcel. He was a soldier with a dry sense of humor, a passion for environmental causes, and a philosophical mind. Against all odds, I liked him. We became inseparable. I confided my deepest thoughts and learned a great deal about Terran life in return. We finally docked. God, that was terrifying, Marcel texted. Longest four hours of my life. It'll be worth it. I am excited to meet you, I replied. Me too, bud. I know it won't be easy for you, but if you need space or it's too much, please tell me. I will. After weeks of distant communication, the final phase was exposure therapy. The plan was for us to room with our human counterpart for several days. I would be alone with the Predator, with no escape. They said once you got past the first few hours, the nerves would settle down. We needed to get used to the humans if they were ever to be accepted. What do you think I look like? Masal asked. In your head. I don't know. I try not to think about it. Why not? You know what humans look like from TV. Well, it's weird to think of you as a predator. That you look at a dead animal, all that blood and guts, and think, hey, that's food. I'm a vegetarian, Sladek. Not applicable. Gah. Not you specifically. I mean humans in general. The fact that you're wired to think that that's appetizing, to kill other animals for a meal... It's not like that, but, uh, it's just evolution. Biology sucks. It does. I guess I'll know what you look like soon, Marcel. Yep. A face only a mother could love. I snorted, amused in spite of myself. 
The clicking boots down the hall meant the humans were in the building. There were mere seconds to brace myself. I switched off my holopad and tried to regulate my breathing. We were allowing enough of them in to handily overtake the space station, if they were to try. These were social predators, so perhaps encouraging them to travel in packs wasn't the best idea. The door swung open. I was flabbergasted by the imposing wall of muscle that entered. Something deep in my subconscious howled at the sight of a predator. Blocking my only escape route, startling hazel eyes scanned my figure, and my breath hitched in my throat. Marsal's lips twitched for a moment, and I could tell from how he pursed them he didn't want to smile. We had been warned repeatedly about the human's teeth-bearing display of friendliness. Slanek, the voice was harsh and raspy, as though he was gargling salt water. I know the feelings are not mutual, but, uh, you're adorable. I gritted my teeth, trying not to back away. Thank you. Uh, come in. The human saw that I had set my belongings on the bottom bunk and tossed his duffel bag on top. Well, this isn't that bad, I thought. There had been no sudden movements. He was keeping his distance, and he didn't have the razor teeth of the oxal. With his back to me, I couldn't see his piercing eyes. All positives. My heart was hammering in my chest, but I had kept myself together. Jeesh, I'm starving, the human announced as he began to unpack. There were few words I would have liked to hear less, isolated in close quarters with a hungry vegetarian predator. Ah, feck, why had I signed up for this? The nearest meal was obviously me. I skittered backwards on instinct, trying to shield my throat. Marcel frowned. I was going to suggest that we grab a bite together, or, uh, I brought snacks, sir. We can share. Sorry, I squeaked. The human retrieved a plastic bag from his belongings and popped it open with a single tug. He withdrew a yellow wafer, shoving it down his gullet. As he turned the bag to face me, I eyed the offering suspiciously. It's a potato chip, he said, before I could ask. Baked from Terran Planet. Did I trust the predator enough to consume his foodstuff? How did I know that it wasn't dried animal fat? I tried to remind myself that this was my friend, the one who gave me relationship advice and told silly jokes. My stomach squirmed as I grasped the chip, but I placed it in my mouth anyways. It was salty and starchy, yet strangely addictive. My ears twitched in the pleasant surprise. That's good, isn't it? Marshall mumbled through a mouthful of food. I figure we could use some carbs before these uh, experiments you want us in. They mentioned something about that. It's psychological research, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Your scientists just mentioned that it was a test. The UN signed off on it. So I hope that it is ethical. They probably just want to be sure that you don't want to eat us. I'll pass with flying colors, then. Not sure where the lab is, though. Um, I'll take you there. Great, let's get it over with, shall we? Once the fright began to subside, speaking with Marcel felt less force. It tickled my instincts, but not in a way my conscious brain couldn't override. A little discomfort was nothing I couldn't handle. It wasn't like he had actually done anything to threaten me or diverge from his online persona in any noticeable way. Chatting via text was easier, but it was unfair to ostracize the humans forever. The predators had been understanding enough as things were. Unless any red flags were uncovered in their psychological screening, Terran soldiers would accompany the Venlil ships on today's mid-rotation patrols. It was possible UN peacekeepers would remain as permanent fixtures in our crew, in that case, 
I would be relieved to have a conclusive answer on the workings of the human mind. Predators were known to toy with their prey in nature. The more intelligent they were, the more sadistic and deceptive they could be. I tried not to think about what I would do if I found out Marcel's niceties were a long con. There were a few humans present at the lab, probably to monitor the methods used for research. Sarah, who I recognized as a lingering visitor from the UN's first contact team, was hunched over a microscope. She seemed to be analyzing some cell samples with the Vendel scientist, and waved at us as we entered. Welcome! How Sarah sensed us, with her lack of peripheral vision, was beyond me. Care for your behavioral exam? Uh, yep, uh, I think. My roommate grumbled. Excellent. Just sign the consent form and then speak to Ildja here. Sarah gestured towards the Venlil hovering beside her. Don't worry, it'll be quick. Marcel hesitated before scrawling his name on the dotted line. I noted how thin and frail his fingers looked. For a predator. They were like spindly twigs. Either my imagination was running amok or his hands quivered as he set the pen down. The human looked terrifying to us, but I couldn't picture them going toe-to-toe with the oxel. Before the ink dried on his signature, Ilja was strapping Marcel to a chair. The restraint seemed to be excessive for the consensual test. Electrodes were fastened to his skull, and his shirt was removed to tape on a series of wires to his chest. Clips placed on his fingers fed additional data to vitals monitors. I noticed the human growing more agitated, and more equipment was hooked up. The rise and fall of his chest had quickened dramatically. Don't leave, Slenak. Please, he pleaded. This is making me uh, nervous as hell. A sympathetic ache filled my chest cavity. It was strange to think that a predator was afraid of us. But I hated seeing my friend in distress. What were our scientists testing exactly? Guarantees were necessary to cement trust in these creatures. But I was worried about what would be done to achieve that. It looked as though they were planning to elicit violent reaction from Marcel. Human subjects deserve proper treatment, not to be goaded into retaliation. Why do I feel so protective of him? I mused. I haven't known him that long. It's going to be okay, Mark. I waved my tail reassuringly. They won't hurt you. I promise. The human furrowed his brow. But you'll stay. Of course. I'll be here. Marcel relaxed and the twinge in my chest deepened. The sentiments I felt in that moment suggested that, despite the inherent risk, it was possible to grow attached to a predator. Whether humanity was sincere in its friendship, or it was a one-sided delusion, remained to be seen. End of chapter. Chapter 7 Memory Transcript Subject Slanek Benlil Space Corps Date, standardized human time, August 21st, 2136. The patrol ship drifted along the Federation border, dispelling fuel into endless night. A brooding Marcel sat at the helm, under my supervision. Human pilots had no real-world experience flying ships. Their only insight into interplanetary battles were clumsy simulations back home. Perhaps it was unfair to hurl them into a war out of desperation, as unprepared as they were. I couldn't stop thinking about the results of the experiments and how revolutionary the findings would be when broadcast. Marcel bolted from his lab in a sweat-soaked stupor, and I made a judgment call to give him some time to regain his senses. In his absence, Ilja shared a cumulative AI analysis of all human subjects. 
A large sample size was needed to validate the findings, but it was enough to put my mind at ease. We had proof that humans felt empathy. The predators were recorded doing things they claimed to enjoy as baseline for pleasure, eating sugary snaps, listening to their favorite song, playing games, and so on. A variety of other metrics were assessed for comparison, including boredom and anger. Then they were shown some videos of the Arthex torturing our children. Interestingly enough, the regions of the brain that were activated were most similar to the baseline for physical pain, which we determined through finger-pricking. Some human participants were so disturbed by the videos that they had to leave the room. That even manifested itself in physical symptoms such as elevated heart rate and vomiting. Much to my relief, the restraints proved an unnecessary precaution. Vinlil xenobiologists were worried the violent footage might trigger predatory instincts and that humans could experience a lapse in control. They wanted to avoid having to put a Terran subject down if they lashed out. It was best for everyone's safety. My gaze flicked over to Marcel, curiosity brimming in my chest. The human was evidently lost in thoughts as well. His face was bright red, and he cast a smoldering stare at the floorboards. I was worried that he was going to rip his own hair out, with how much he was tugging at the coarse auburn strands. Perhaps I should leave it alone, but I was dying to know his thoughts. If I may, uh, what frightened you about our scientists, I blurted out. Did you really think that they would hurt you? We don't have that same disposition as you. You're going to laugh, but, uh, most of our old myths about aliens, um, yes, well, uh, they involve us getting abducted and experiment on. Hey, for all I knew, you were testing how humans react to torture. You think that we're that barbaric? Our scientists just want to help you fit in. We need conclusive evidence of your empathic capacity, else we'll never silence the doubters. I don't see why we needed to prove, yet again, that we're not the Auxor. Humans haven't done anything to you. You're a contradiction of hundreds of years of scientific thought, Mark. Not to mention certain groups in the Federation won't like you. Much more than us. They'll demand proof, and I'm not sure even the finest scientific rigor will withstand their scrutiny. It's not fair. I know. The human was silent, directing an intense glare at the scanner feed. The subspace readings were blank, with no indicators of activity beside our own. If there was anything to be gleaned, it wasn't on the empty screen. Maybe the experiments had jarred something in his personality after all, because I never remembered him being so sullen online. If we needed to abandon the patrol and return to base, I'd like to know sooner rather than later, before he endangered himself or others. Now you are right, I patted the human on the shoulder and felt him stiffen beneath my paw. I know that footage disturbed you, and, uh, I am sorry. Marcel sighed. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm furious, but, but not with you. I, I want to wring my hands around the Axel's neck. I don't see how that would improve anything. At least I'd be doing something. You are here. You're protecting us. Yes. Someone has to put the stop to their raid of terror. There have been no issues in recruiting people back on Earth. They weigh the greys set often on tormenting children. It sickens us. Why are they like that? I want to ask you that, Mark. We believe that predators evolve through warfare, killing and cruelty. Isn't it survival advantage to you? Well, uh, killing, yes. Killing the competition. All the dangerous things that lurk in the night. I suppose that's how we became predators. We aren't natural ones, you know. We were once prey animals, same as you, using our cooperation to survive. What? 
And you chose to be like I, uh, like them? Yep. I won't pretend we're cute and cuddly like you. Some people have walked ghastly paths throughout our history. There's plenty of blood on our hands. But in modern times, we have rules for war called the Geneva Convention. The Oxor's methods are dishonorable and pathetic. Before I could inquire as to the nature of these Geneva Conventions, shrill alarms blared from the ship's computer. Nine indicators popped up on the scanner feed, suggesting inbound Oxor bombers. The flurry of activity when the humans arrived must have piqued their interest. The reptilians loved to target weak links, and an isolated station such as our lodging was just that. There were countermeasures developed over the centuries, but I didn't know if they'd be sufficient today. Our onboard AI could map the enemy's trajectory, then time warp disruptor pulses with the information. Once we knocked the greys out of hyperspace, our directive was to scamper off until reinforcements arrived. Slowing the Arxol's progress bought valuable minutes, even without a confrontation. They could mean the difference between catastrophic loss of life and a successful defense. I switched on the comm link. Prime outpost, we're reading nine Arxol bubbers en route. Figure they have you as their target. Heck! Uh, we have to stop them at all costs. The exhaustion was evident in the male Ben Lil's voice that answered. I couldn't imagine how much stress the officers were under. Monitoring the UN arrivals, the first transport of humans and a couple hundred wind up dead. They'll never forgive us. They'll never send anyone else. Um, sir, my human partner can hear you, I said. Oh, right, uh, this is General Cam from the Venlil Command. We copy you. I'll ask the humans to position their so-called fighters on an intercept course while we evacuate personnel here. Stall for time if you can. I drew a shaky breath. Yes, sir. We'll do our best. Nausea swelled up my throat. As I synced the ship computer with the disruptor beacons lining the border, my mind straying to its usual dark corner, replaying my brother's funeral. The shock was still fresh as it was months ago. When I first learned that his transport ship was gunned down, there wasn't a trace left to remember him by, no body to recover. Would I be next to fall to the Arxol's claw? Every instinct told me to flee, to put as much distance between us and those monsters as possible. However, the pulses needed to be timed down to the nanosecond, which meant our proximity was a necessity. My brain felt overstimulated, as if my senses were a set of flame. Being around a human for hours, it's pushed me to my limit. It's hard to think. With my nerves all frazzled, I pondered with a tinge of guilt. How selfish I am. I haven't even considered how Mark is feeling. I hoped the wordless Marcel was okay with the peril that we were in. He had loved ones back on Earth, including a fiancé whom he spoke of with fondness. He didn't want to die here. There was no data on how the primates behaved in life-threatening situations or how they coped with stress. But with Greys closing in on our position, there was no time to explain our standard procedure. We thought there'd be time for our allies to settle in before hurling them into the fire. Hopefully, humans had a solid self-preservation instincts and could use their cleverness to fill in the blanks. Those bombers were about to become quite real. There were no visible signs of distortion as I pulse detonated. The AI's calculation was silent and flawless. I'd like an FTL disruption to pulling a rug out beneath someone's feet. The warp bubble burst in an instant, plunging the Arxol's vessels into real space. No doubt, it was disorienting for those Hellspawn on board. 
Watching the angular ship spring forth with nothingness would be a magical sight, if the stakes weren't so dire. The bombers slowed to regain their bearings and to scope out their surroundings. They wished to exact revenge on the prey animal that dared to fight back. It was evident Arxor Architects spared no thought for beauty. Plasma railguns shuttered out on both flanks, perfect for slinging destructive volleys. Turrets for kinetic weapons dotted the armor, in case of close-range engagement. The curvature of the underbelly provided storage for antimatter missiles. I imagine the predators relished the terror their constructs instilled. Witnessing their fleet felt like peering into the jaws of death. Hideous ships, huh? I quipped. There was no reply from Marcel. I would suspect he froze in fear if I hadn't seen his hands tighten around the steering column. An uneasy feeling crept into my mind. Every creature handled stress differently, but his behavior was off by a long shot. Come on, Slenek. The greys are a threat here, I scolded myself, not the human. Knock, knock. Anyone home? I tried to keep my voice playful, but I was desperate to snap the human out of his trance. You do see their ships and realize we're alone. There is safety in numbers. It is time to head back to the base. Marcel leaned forward, fangs protruding from his menacing snarl. I noted it with abject horror how his eyes dilated and his canines glistened with saliva. If that was an expression of happiness, why was it appearing when our territory was under siege? Mark, we need to flee now. I shook the human on his shoulder, but he shrugged me off. Ugh, crap, man. They definitely sp spotted us. Marcel, floor it, I beg you. Eat this, you motherfuckers! Marcel roared, disregarding me entirely. The human did floor it to change in direction to the Arxol fleet. What happened? He went berserk. He was so lucid minutes ago. I tried to scream to plead to stop, but it came out as an incoherent yelp. The predator either didn't know how or didn't bother to prime the target system. He jammed his claw fingers onto the firing triggers, spraying plasma rounds with impunity. The glaring aggression seemed to take the grace by surprise. It marked a drastic shift from the Venlil's typical fightiness. A few glancing blows struck the lead ship, jolting its pitch. One must have impacted the propulsion system, since its prime plume flicked out. Marcel turned the steam and fired towards the crippled vessel's brethren. Some hits connected at random, though the Oxor seemed more pissed than wounded. We had swooping paths across the formation, before banking heavily in the direction from which we came. The computer warned me that we had been target-locked by all nine hostiles. Run, I whispered. Marcel cleared his throat. Yep, uh, good idea. The human pointed the ship in the direction of the Federation border. Why wasn't he trying to return to the outpost? The last remnants of my logical brain suggested that he was trying to lure the Arxor away. I winced as my harness chafed into my neck. Our inertial dampness was struggling to keep up with our blistering acceleration. Only two Arxor ships gave chase, while the rest returned to their intended course. They couldn't resist sending someone to hunt a straggler down. I knew the enemy bombers would slowly close the gap, with relentless abandon. The optimal way to lose our pursuers was to slip into subspace, but unfortunately, warp required several minutes of stationary preparation. The humans signed our death warrant with his stupidity. Our puny ship gunned away from safety with a pair of apex predators in hot pursuit. End of chapter Chapter 8 Memory Transcription Subject Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command 
Date, standardized human time, August 21, 2136. Making an enemy of a starship captain was ill-advised, even in these trying times. My astonishment had been evicted from Vendel territory by force, still hadn't faded. There was no reason for flagrant disrespect, especially when we were responding to their cry for help. When Governor Tarver started waving missiles around, it felt personal. It was fair to say I harbored a permanent grudge against them. Tarver's behavior could be chalked up to his war-induced psychosis, if not for the mayhem that followed. Without a word as to why, the Venlil withdrew from the Federation's military. Their borders were sealed, cutting off crucial supplies and outposts. Any ships seeking entry were turned back at gunpoint. Alien diplomats and visitors were barred from leaving Venlil space, or even contacting their homeworlds. It was like something from a dystopian novel. Division in our ranks was the last thing we needed. With how the Arxor had been pressing lately, a diplomatic resolution was the desired outcome to any crisis, if at all possible. But when it took begging for the Vendel to provide proof of life, it didn't seem there was room for negotiation. Tava hadn't offered any time frame, terms or conditions for a release. This was no temporary standoff either. It had been over a month and none of their actions were rescinded. The Federation were a lot of dithering idiots, afraid of ruffling feathers, but even their patience had limits. Major play, including my Gojidi Union, were incensed at our people's hostage status. Judging by the protests across the galaxy, I wasn't the only one who felt compelled to take matters into my own poles. Whatever the Vinlo Republic was hiding, I was determined to get to the bottom of it. Sovlin! Piri, the Gojid Prime Minister, sighed in irritation. She must have seen my eyes gloss over. You still with me? Nor are you off plotting revenge in that thick head of yours? I blinked several times. Uh, sorry, ma'am. As I was saying, I'm disappointed in you. You went off snooping in the Van Lil without permission and used Federation resources to do so. What do you have to say for yourself? Piri asked. I haven't crossed their border. I pointed a claw at the viewport towards an invisible threshold. If we decide to break our people out by force, we need the facts. The Federation has a right to know what the Vendel are up to. What makes you think they're up to anything? Tarver isn't stupid enough to commit diplomatic suicide. Not without a cause, I mean. The resolution condemning their actions passed by unanimous vote. She's lucky that we haven't done more than place their membership on probation. Piri tilted her head, weighing the circumstances for herself. Shutting down all communications overnight and banning travel looked draconian to me. The drastic nature of it all did not make sense. I couldn't fathom what quelled the populace's rebellion. The entire galaxy was iced out for an unknown transgression. Even the Venlil's closest allies were left baffled and in the dark. Talk of warfare was brewing as much as the Federation wished for it to not be so. Why would Tava invite an extreme fallout? What could make losing every partner worth it? I don't disagree. The Venlil would need a serious incentive to draw our ire, the politician said. They've always been loyal to the Federation, until now. What's your take? Well, I would think that it was cowardice if they had run off, I growled. It's as though they're trying to make enemies of us. It can't be that. Not with the Arxor breathing down their necks every hour of every day. Piri focused her gaze on me, a disapproving glint in her eyes. I should reprimand you, Soblin, but I'd like some answers myself. What have you learned through your, uh, prying? 
The Vendel are still letting someone into their territory. I'm not sure if it's Federation member. A group of transports stopped at the fringe outpost today. They weren't chased away like the rest of us. And you're sure that they were allowed to stay? I'm positive. They got an escort from the ceremonial fleet. Tarva's personal parade. I'm just not close enough to make out their subspace origin. Not, uh, without crossing the border. So that's why you called me now. You want my blessing, in case you get caught. And I hear about it the hard way. That's uh, one way of putting it, ma'am. May I poke around? <sighs> Very well. I want to report as soon as you learn anything. And Soblin, don't make me regret this. The video feed cut out. I eyed space ahead of us with giddiness and gave my first officer a tail thump that meant proceed. The posting was filled by Rissell, a veteran of the Colchian Commonwealth. There would be no objections to my plan from him. His allegiance was to the Federation first, and to unveiling the truth about the Venlil's misdeeds was a collective interest. Anyone with eyes could see that their behavior was off. The crew leapt into action as Rissell declared a new cause for the fringes of Venlil space. We could hide behind the guise that we were patrolling and strayed into their territory by mistake. All I needed was to get in range of their signal interceptors. Local broadcasts could offer some clues if subspace readings proved unattainable. Our warship pivoted, angling us towards a forbidden region. I settled down in the captain's chair and monitored the bridge. We would drift over the border gradually, in the interest of stealth. If we were able to pull this mission off, I would be acclaimed for my initiative. Satisfaction swelled in my chest at the thought of adding it to my repute. Sir, you might want to look at the scanner data. Rissal barked. Venlil patrol ship heading straight for us. I slammed my paw down in frustration. They're still on our side of the border. They can't object to us patrolling our own damn space. According to the computer, the patrol vessel was on an intercept course towards us. The sensor data suggested their speed was at max velocity. Well, above the safety recommendations. They were going to burn out on their engines, pushing them to that degree. How had they gotten wise to our plans? My call with the Prime Minister Piri was encrypted, so I didn't see how they could have listened in. Radio silence from that little boat, Rissell noted. What do you want to do? My spines bristled. Order them to change course at once, and have weapons in standby. We're not going to let that shit heap stop us. From the viewpoint of the highlights magnification, I can make out a tiny dot racing towards our position. Its course was erratic as though the stabilizers were close to giving out. Several hails had gone unanswered, and the Venlil ship failed to deviate from its course. The patrol vessel paid no regard to the border, breezing into our territory without any declaration. Silence fell over the bridge. The tension was palpable. I knew my crew still felt some sense of attachment to the Venlil after years of steadfast alliance. It was for their sake that I wasn't striking this craft down on the spot. Fire a warning shot and hail them one final time, I ordered. If there's no acknowledgement, I want them finished. Three plasma rounds were lobbed just above the patrol ship's flight path. Its pace slowed, as though the pilot was second-guessing their decisions. The hesitation was brief, though. It returned to its stubborn sprint moments later. Had the Vindler fallen victim to some neurological plague? That would explain everything. I gritted my teeth. Kill them! They need to be taught a lesson. Wait, sir. We're detecting two more vessels on their tail, Oxor bombers, my first officer said. 
At last, a decent explanation for why the Venlo refused to turn back. If those reptile bastards were after them, I suppose there was no retreating. Why they were unresponsive to our hails was another question, especially with the delicate situation between our species. The patrol ship's engine splattered, and the pilot coaxed it to a resting position. The vessel swiveled around to face the Arxor bombers. It looked like an insect compared to any warship. Yet, its size did not prove a deterrent. As soon as the enemy pursuers became visible, it began hurling plasma rounds in their direction. The caliber was insufficient to trade blows with the greys, but the helmsman didn't seem to care. The coughing engine was prodded back to life to give them a push in the enemy's direction. Yep, neurological plague, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. The Republic craft dipped down to avoid return fire and pressed on with its advance, in spite of myself. I was impressed with the pilot's ability to overpower their instincts. Whatever my personal feelings towards the Venlol, this bravery was unmistakable. And to be honest, very unlike them. Their accuracy was lacking, however, and the Arxor ships absorbed any hits that landed. Sir, should we intervene? My first officer asked. How many times have we saved them already? I grumbled. And for what? Rissel waged a grasp at me. You wouldn't let the Aksa kill innocent people over a grudge with Tarva. I suppose not. Advance the Aksa bombers and line them up with the railguns. I could sense the crew's relief from their eagerness to carry out the new orders. Perhaps they'd been worried that my previous threat to let the Greys eat the Vendel was serious. It would take a more depraved captain than I to spectate a predator's hunt. The lights on the bridge dimmed, which was confirmation that the railgun was charging. In high enough doses, a blast of concentrated energy could chew through the Arxor armor. There was a reason the Federation invested in such slow, gargantuan ships. Powering effective weapons required a large backbone. A radiant beam sailed through the inky sky, connecting with the enemy vessel. Pleasure rolled down my spines as our plasma launched through the engine. There was one Arxor bomber finished in a fiery flash. Our railgun would take several seconds to recharge so I hoped the Venlil ship could hang on a little longer. The pilot's crazed maneuvers could only do so much for evasion. The final enemy was spewing quite a lot of plasma torrent at them, unrelenting in their hunt. One round clipped the patrol ship on the bow. It lurched forward and sat dazed in the Arxor's sights. My crew's efforts to rouse the railgun gained a new sense of urgency. The reptilians rounded on our former allies, salivating to deliver the finishing blow. The Venlil were wounded further by a clean hit to the propulsion system. A dry plume flickered out, and the patrol ship laid paralyzed. Without mobility, the vessel was floating tomb. The pilot's fire had ceased too. There was no telling if they had lost weapons, or if it meant the worst. A surge of relief flooded my chest as our weapons flashed back online. There wasn't a second to spare, or any margin for error. The crew scrambled to unleash a hellfire. An energy lance penetrated the night sky, and I prayed that it would arrive in time. While the Venlil were traitors, I preferred them to the affront to sapiens known as the Arxor. Our railgun strike pierced the Arxor's shell, splicing them clean in half. With its dying breath, the predators discharged a barrage of plasma, a parting gift for their quarry. There was nothing we could do to intervene. All eyes turned to the unfolding scene with collective horror. The Venlil craft was idle, dead, in the waters. The fireballs bore down on the cruiser, one after the other, 
closing the distance in a blur. Somehow, our senses didn't record a direct impact. The blistering shots shaved its hull, straying wide by a hair's breadth. I imagine the occupants could all but smell the smoke. Talk about a near miss, I mused. The railgun must have jolted the oxor just enough. Cheers echoed through the bridge, though the celebration was premature. The Venlo ship sustained serious damage and wasn't showing any signs of activity. Venlo ship, do you copy? I asked over the comms frequency. We can send medical assistance if needed. There was silence. My opportunism flicked back to life as I remembered the purpose of our foray. Nobody had communicated with anyone inside the Republic border for weeks. This was the perfect opportunity to force the Vendlod to talk, to discover the truth behind their reclusiveness. We could start by asking some questions about the mysterious visitors. If you can hear me, Vendlodship, you are now in the custody of the Galactic Federation. Any attempt to flee will be met with extreme force, as will any efforts at resistance. I paused, making sure to emphasize my last words. Prepare to be boarded! End of chapter. Chapter 9. Memory Transcription, Subject, Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command. Data, Standardized Human Time, August 21st, 2136. The contingent of Federation soldiers blasted into the patrol ship, keen to unravel its secrets. I was relieved that the Vendel opted to not barricade the main hatch. With the recent obstinance, I figured they'd make our entry a drawn-out process. There were five others besides myself, a crowd for the tiny ship. It took a few moments for my eyes to adjust to the dim lighting. There didn't appear to be a substantial damage to the ship's interior, but I didn't hear any vocalizations from the occupants. It became a priority to locate the passengers and determine if they needed medical attention. I spotted a Venlil slumped in their rear seat, with blood dripping down his forehead. Judging by the wound's location, his head was tossed to the ship's frame during one of the oxal strikes. It was possible he had been knocked down prior from fear or shock. Those injuries required extensive treatment, if it was severe enough for him to remain unconscious. The sound of heavy breathing drew my attention, and my eyes darted towards the pilot chair. The creature's form was mostly void of fur. It was bits of pinkish skin that peeked through her garments were an indicator. The sole hair clump was a mop of red fuzz on its head, which cut off near its neckline. With its back to us, I couldn't make out any more about its features. Was this the species that docked with the station earlier? It hadn't looked like any life form I'd stumbled across in my travels, so that ruled out it being from the Federation member. Something about it made my skin crawl. Maybe it was just lack of hair that made it look freakish. The skin looked soft, lacking any sort of natural armor or defense. Its stature wasn't impressive either, only a touch taller than myself. What are you? I growled. Um, I'm Marcel, just a guy. Nice to meet you, he offered. Please, um, help Selnik. He's injured. I sighed in irritation. Fine, but why the feck weren't you answering our hails? We almost blasted you out of the skies. I didn't know how to use the comm system. My buddy was unconscious, sir. Uh, I'm in shock, I think. Marcel's voice was low and breathy. He seemed to be hyperventilating. This is my first time flying one of these. You've never flown one of these ships before, and you fly like that. Like what? Never mind. Turn around and come with us. I can't do that. How dense could a person be? This was not a negotiation. These two were in no position to argue with us. 
My boarding notification was explicit enough in stating that they were our prisoners, not our guests. My attempts to be sensitive and not wave guns around the second we stepped in clearly hadn't paid dividends. Marcel, I wasn't asking, I hissed. If you expect us to help your friend, you better comply. Let's just talk for a moment, okay? The peculiar pilot raised his hands over his head slowly, but kept his head pointed towards the viewport. Listen, I'm not your enemy. I, I don't want you to shoot me. I, I don't want to hurt you, or whatever it is you all say. You think you can hurt us? You are surrounded and alone. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just, uh, not like the Arxel. We're not the same team, okay? What is this nonsense? Your rambling is madness. Don't tell me you're going into shock too. Marcel drew a shaky breath and turned his head slowly towards us. The crewmate nearest to him staggered backwards, reaching for her weapon. She tripped over the lifeless Lenek in her retreat and discharged her weapon in panic. The round ended up buried in the ceiling, punching a hole in the already battered ship. Firing plasma guns and demonstrating a reckless trigger discipline, it didn't contain spaceship. The damn thing was venting atmosphere as he spoke. The crewmate earned a scorching glare from me. I was appalled with her behavior. What has gotten into you? I screeched. Holster your weapon at once. I'll have you disciplined for your... Captain Sovlin. Another crewmate interrupted in a squeaky whisper. Look, it's one of them. My gaze flitted back over to Marcel. Shock stabbed at my heart. My insides twisted into knots. The pilot sported a binocular vision, just like the ark saw. A cruel intelligence glistened through his beady eyes, even as he tried to avert them. Every time he directed his gaze at someone, it felt as if they were being tracked. His inky pupils were no more dilated pools of hunger. The pieces fell together as I gaped at Marcel dumbfounded. A carnal hunter on a Republic ship could only mean one thing. The Venlil homeworld was occupied by army of predators, and in all likelihood their species was enslaved. These beasts must have been the reason for the distress signal a few weeks ago. Perhaps I owed the event little of an apology, since I had misjudged them so terribly. The tragedy they endured was unspeakable. The monsters probably threatened to kill their entire populace if they tried anything, which was why the harbor betrayed us. No decision-making was still terrible, but something I could forgive. Chasing the Federation Armada off under duress was indifferent to abandoning her friends. The resentment festering inside of me dissipated in an instant, replaced by burning hatred. We had never gotten our paws in one of these reptiles, so we'd have to settle with the next best thing. I would not let Marcel's species follow the Arxol's footsteps. I would make them pay for everything that they had done tenfold. Marcel's hands trembled, and he closed his eyes. Guys, I'm just here to fight the Arxol. What they've done is despicable. And, uh... We would never quiet! Get on the ground! My voice was cold and assertive as I raised my side on him at him. Don't shoot him unless he pushes us. I want him alive! The predator obeyed, sprawled out prone on the floor. He was lying fat on his stomach, so his eyes were facing the ground. He linked his dexterous fingers behind his head as though to prove he wouldn't take a swipe at us. My soldiers gave me an expectant look, waiting for orders. Did they presume I had the answer to everything? There was nothing in the book about predators hiding in plain sight. But if I didn't take command, there was going to be a total collapse of control. The last thing I wanted was my unit fleeing and leaving this creature on the loose in our territory. 
Protect Slanak until medical assistance arrives, Aya said, gesturing towards the unconscious Bindlil. Get him out of here, and somewhere safe. Be gentle with him when he wakes. Make sure he knows he's free, and that he never has to see this monster again. Marsal stiffened. Free? Slanak is another word, and I will kill you. Don't tempt me, freak! Summoning my innermost courage, I approached the predator with a pair of restraints. There was no other person I trusted not to freak out. If he twitched or spoke, the creature didn't move, only sucking in erratic breaths. His submissive behavior was odd, but he could be baiting me with proximity. I needed to keep my wits about me and stay prepared for a surprise attack. I knelt down over Marsal's back, pinning him to the ground with my hind legs. One paw held the barrel of the pistol against his neck, while the other paw reached for his hands. The sensation of my fur bristling on his skin made me flinch. I couldn't snap the manacles around his wrists fast enough. Behind us, two crewmates crouched by Slenek, shooting glances towards the predator as they did. It was apparent they wanted to get as far away from him as possible. We had to wait for the ship medic to arrive with a stretcher and drugs, though. If the Vandal had spinal damage, it was too risky to transport him without professional supervision. That said, the damned doctor was taking his sweet time. I was the one stuck guarding the novel predator, absorbing the full brunt of the terror. The minutes standing by Marcel seemed to drag. It was agony, even as he remained compliant and silent. Part of me wanted to put a bullet in his brain and be done with it. You're pressing too hard on the prisoner's abdomen. A disapproving voice drifted from the ship's entrance, earning a relieved sigh from me. Dr. Zahn strode in, scanning the scene. What is going on here, Captain? Don't ask. I need a sedative now, I replied. For a new species, we have no idea which drugs are safe or how they'll interact with its nervous system. I can't sign on to this. I rolled Marcel onto his back, and Zahn's eyes widened. The doctor dropped his kit to the floor and stood frozen for several seconds. It took a pointed cough from me to snap him out of his stupor. The medic drew in a shuddering breath, trying to compose himself. He was quivering as he filled the syringe an inch towards us like he was in cracked ice. I extended an arm as far as I could and snatched the sedative from his outstressed paw. Zahn darted back to a safer distance, muttering several curses. He gave Slenek a brief examination, feeding the vertebra of his spine. At the doctor's go-ahead, the soldiers moved the vendel onto a stretcher. My eyes shifted back to the predator, whose gaze bore directly into my skull. Turning him over for the doctor to see might not have been the best idea, since it meant that his face was visible again. Well, Marcel wasn't going to sedate himself, was he? Fucking hell! Here goes nothing, I growled. I found a large vein in the predator's neck and brought the syringe towards it. Marcel shrank back into the floor, possibly mistaking the pointed blade for a weapon. He was doubtful his species had any concept of medicine. With a quick motion, I jabbed the needle into his pale skin. Marcel winced, and those awful eyes flicked shut. I finally allowed myself to feel emotions, and doubled over, panting. My gun slipped from my paws. It took everything to bite back a scream. I couldn't lose my composure in front of my crew. Captain, listen, you've had a terrible shock, and the most exposure of anyone. Dr. Zahn said in a soft tone. Let your first officer step in. You need rest. You're risking cardiac arrest if you push yourself any further. Ned Russell called the shots over my dead body. 
I snorted. I'll be the one to tell Perry and to move the sting to holding. The doctor flicked his ears in disdain. Yes, it is a terrible creature. I didn't think any humans were still alive. Any what? Humans! That's what it is. We knew about these demons before, indeed. You know, the predator race we discovered after the Oxor. The Federation glosses over it, but surely you've heard it mentioned. The extinct ones? They're clearly not that extinct. We were certain humans killed themselves off, though. The number of explosions on their planet was astronomical. It was a fitting end for a species that tormented each other and lived in constant battle. What do you think they've done to the Venlil? Humans are conquerors who derive pleasure from dominating others. That is what their explorers have always done on their homeworld. They are aggressive, brutal, and territorial. Every bit as savage as the Greys. You can fill in the blanks, Captain. Your stars! I should wonder how you know such detail, Doctor. Enough to recognize one. I researched humans for my bioethics thesis. No, of course you did, I said in a derisive tone. I bet you argued it was worth saving them because the Doctor's Oath is saving all lives. On the contrary, the Federation developed plans to raise their planet, Earth, which were scrapped after the presumed extinction. My paper argued that some animals are not worth saving, and that not all life is equivalent. Killing humanity would have been justified for the greater good. It was our moral obligation to follow through, even. I've never heard those words from you, Zahn. Humans must be irredeemable. I glowed at Marcel's lifeless form. My mind was buzzing with thoughts of a fiery raid on this earth. Well then, I suppose it is time to tell Perry that we have unfinished business. End of chapter. Chapter 10 Memory Transcription Subject Governor Tarver of the Venlil Republic Date Standardized Human Time August 22nd, 2136 Bird of the Oxal attack on our space station reached Venlil Prime via the media first. I suspect that the camera crew sent to document the human's arrival were able to get a messenger ship out before the confrontation. Details were scarce, but the first duel between predators in space made for a flashy headlines. In all honesty, I was curious how humans would fare against the Greys as anyone. I was clinging to some far-fetched hope that they'd swoop in and save the day. There was no telling whether the station was still standing. Research outposts didn't have meaningful defenses, since our fiercest protection was assigned to colonies and planets. The humans needed to save their own hide against the Arxor. Maybe we should have hosted a UN delegation on Venlil Prime but the idea was to assimilate them in increments, having predators walking the streets, dining in restaurants, and smiling at schoolchildren was a bit much for the public. I felt guilty, anyways, for leaving our human friends in a vulnerable location. In trying to shield them, I might have gotten them killed. Terran technology was primitive, and while they excelled at dogfights in atmospheric conditions, I suspected their ships weren't attuned to space yet. They were in the process of building a new armada from scratch. The craft deployed to the station were there for emergencies and were little more than prototypes. There was profound relief when Cam messaged me, stating that he was in orbit along with two UN generals. My military advisor promised a full briefing and assured me that the station was still standing. 
I was relieved to hear that there were survivors, but also wondered how the human ships had performed. Hi, Tava! The Predator's voice pierced my ears. Noah's arrival at the Governor's Mansion was a welcome sight. I was happy to have a familiar face amidst the stress and confusion. The cheery astronaut was appointed Terran ambassador at my request, and had taken up permanent resident Planicide. He never seemed to tire of interviews or lose patience with our timid behavior. Thank you for coming, I nodded to my friend, suppressing my reaction to his toothy grin. I never met any human military personnel. It's as though Mayer has been trying to keep them away from me. He calls me snakes from the grass, whatever that means. Mayer is a smart man, Noah chuckled. They're going to try to get you to hand over your ship blueprints and to take sides in our national disputes. By the way, I strongly advise not doing either. Neutrality is a fine policy. I flicked my ears. What disputes? Don't you all get along now? Ha! <laughs> we never get along, Tarver. We just get along with the ox or less. Why can't you make peace? That whole predator's instinct for aggression thing. I guess. You're smart. You must realize it's not advantageous to your species to fight. We know that, but we are what we are. I'm sorry if it frightens you. General Cam entered the reception hall, halting our conversation. The military advisor looked like he hadn't slept in days. Two humans trailed after him, sporting uniforms and flashy colors. In memory served me right. The one on the right blue was from the U.S. Space Force, while the red attire designed China's strategic support force. It was a tough to remember all the factions of such a disunited species. There were hundreds of governments on Earth, each with their own culture and leadership. One of the most embarrassing incidents was when I sent a thanks to Austria for the supplies rendered by Australia, though both nations seemed to find the mix-up humorous. Never since then, I tried to stick to speaking with Secretary General Mayer and his office. The Vendel wanted an alliance with the entire species, not to juggle rival tribes. Glad to see you, Governor, General Jones and General Zhao, Cam paused, gesturing to the two respective humans. Have prepared a simulation of the battle for us. You'll find their strategies, uh, most intriguing. Intriguing? General Zhao shrugged. A win is a win. What did that mean? Had our predators used some cheap tactics against the Arxor? I ushered in an entourage into the conference room, making sure to keep Noah between myself and them. It was all I could do to not openly stare at the human militants. They didn't look as imposing, as feral as Mayer diplomats would have us believe. I half expected them to be marred with battle scars, all bearing fangs at every one that passed. Cam fiddled with the hollow projector, sinking the Terran devices with owls. A shimmering recreation blinked up over the central table, and I studied it with a nervous anticipation. This would be our first insight into how human warfare truly worked. There we go, General Jones said. I feel obliged to note that the ships are American designs. Zhao rolled his predator eyes, a display that looked most unnatural. You had a slip that in, didn't you? They used our weapons modifications. The most important part of any system is firepower. Wouldn't you agree, Tava? Uh, well, uh, uh w would you mind if, if we watched the, the, the simulation? But before I offer my opinion, I answered in a sheepish voice. I, I wouldn't want to, to speak in ignorance. Noah smirked, shooting me a knowing glance. The ambassador's warning proved to at least half correct, but I thought I'd done a decent job deflecting the question. Motion activated on the projector, and the visual representation sprung to life. Computer data and analysis augmented the view of the battlefield. 
Six Arksaw bombers barreled down on the outpost, opposed by a wall of human ships. The Darren fleet was comprised of a tiny one-seater ships whose only asset appeared to be speed. The humans outnumbered the reptiles by an order of 20 to 1, according to the computer. Sheer numbers didn't matter when the primitive weapons weren't ineffectual against the greys. The UN had to have something else up their sleeves if the station survived, I thought. Our allies swarmed the Arxor with blinding mobility. Plasma and kinetics rained down on the greys' position, and the enemy struggled to lock down the pesky targets. They began shooting in all directions, as that was a surefire way to connect with something. Terran indicators blinked out by the dozens, which earned a wince from me. Undeterred, the humans pressed on towards their deaths. The Arxor craft had sustained minor damage, but were mostly unscathed. There was no sign of any backup or reinforcements, no grand trick or ambush. I expected more complex tactics from an intelligent predator. The humans flew practically on top of the Arxor, making it impossible for them to use their railguns. The reptiles switched over to kinetic weapons and carved swaths through the Terran ranks with precision. The bombers then broke off towards the station, disregarding the puny fighters. The humans were not worthy of attention. Even to me, these UN ships are a joke. This is a species that was supposed to save us, I mused. They sent their pilots to a slaughter. Blind aggression isn't enough. It was a second the Arxor lost interest that the primates pounced. There were only 52 friendly vessels remaining, and they acted in harmony. The humans discharged heat-seeking missiles so close that they were caught up in the explosions themselves. From those ranges, the Greys had no chance to activate their interceptors. It seemed the humans had finally drawn blood. Two enemy indicators flickered out, but four weathered the storm. By comparison, 23 more UN ships had gone down to their bone blasts. Losing every fighter wasn't going to prove a point. It was time to order a retreat before there were no forces left. Instead, the primates violated all laws of self-preservation. The Terrans formed a barricade in the Arxal's path, trying to intercept their fire. Their railguns chewed through the fighters with ease, and whittled their numbers down to a dozen. The humans were backed into a corner, unlike us. They would not flee. They saw that the station was about to take fire, and rushed forward in a predatory frenzy. The last Terran ammunition was dispensed. They were drained dry, with no options to fight on. Several captains made spontaneous decisions to hurl the last scraps of their fighters into the Oxal's ranks. What kind of species used their ships as missiles? How could their impulse be to sacrifice their own lives? In the wake of the humans' earlier battering, the reptiles proved unable to withstand multiple drive explosions. The handful of remaining fighters sat defiantly, almost daring any Arxor ships to emerge from the smoke. The simulation froze as it reached the end of the data input. We suffered heavy losses. If only our drone program was ready for deployment, that would be a game-changer. At least we know now the Arxor can be taken down, General Jones said. There was no vandal casualties. We destroyed the greys before they reached the station, General Zhao concluded. I glanced away in horror. Only three UN vessels remained from the original allotment. The humans sacrificed ships numbering in the three digits to stop the Arxor. That could hardly be considered a victory. How could predators develop vessels that were much weaker than their counterparts? That loss ratio was unacceptable in long-term war. There is a small point of concern, Governor. Jones paused, waiting for me to focus on her. 
A Venlol patrol ship went missing in Federation territory, with a human on board. Many hours since, the Gojids have started to mobilize along the border. We believe that the ship has been captured, which would mean that the Feds are now aware of us, Sao added. The only positive is that unless the hostages told them, they don't know where Earth is. That buys us some time to figure out our next action. My blood ran cold as ice. The Federation possessed the exact location of Earth, while the humans were advised that they might be killed on sight. I hadn't disclosed the specifics of our history. There was no telling how the predatory species might retaliate to plot for their extinction. That said, I couldn't bear to see them blindsided by a preemptive strike. The time had come where I had to divulge the full extent of the Federation's hatred. Well, uh, maybe we should speak to them, Noah chimed in. I'm not sure we shouldn't have from the start. The orcs are our sample size of one. The aliens have no experience with humans or any other predators. If Tarver vouches for us, they might come around. I stood up from my chair. I doubt that. They'll hate you. The Terran ambassador frowned. If you can accept us, why can't they? How do you know that the Federation will try and kill us? Just because we're predators. I just do. Noah crossed his arms. You're going to have to do better than that. I... I need a word with the ambassador. Alone. No! I think we all need to hear this. General Zal's posture was stiff as a board, as though he'd sent something off. Whatever pertains to our safety concerns everyone in this room. Well, it's uh, because... Noah tilted his head inquisitively. Worry sparkled in his brown eyes as he noticed me shying away from him. I wondered if even he could forgive me for such a grave omission, for betrayal of his trust. Because they tried to kill the last predators they found. I slumped, my shoulders in defeat, avoiding his gaze. I didn't want to tell you. You're saying they killed another predator species before? The ambassador asked. No. There are only two. Then the Federation knew about humans and Earth a long time ago. The vote to glass your planet was unanimous. After footage of your world wars became public, General Jones' eyes narrowed to slits. Unanimous! That includes the Venlol. Yes. Before my time, but yes. They, uh, they were meticulous in our planning. We believed that we couldn't fail. Wow! Hurt flashed in Noah's gaze, though the human quickly blinked it away. All right, um, what stopped them? The Federation thought you were dead. Something about hundreds of nuclear explosions right after those world wars ended. I myself wonder what that was. Testing. There were countless nuclear tests in that era, and unpopulated areas, might I add, Noah muttered. I see. At any rate, that's how we knew exactly what you were, and where you were from, before you or ship ever hailed us. The Federation will recognize what the captive is, and find Earth's location and a star chart. Jones's eyes were icy. You didn't think that that was something that we needed to know, Tarver? Yeah. Why are you telling us this now? Zal spat. I shrank back under the predator's withering gaze. While the anger was justified, it rendered me unable to form a response. Open hostility was not something my instincts processed well. Not when they were eyeing me up like their next meal. The governor didn't want us to have a cause to attack the Federation, Noah said, leaping to my defense. They are her friends, no matter how unjust they are. Besides, she's only known us for a month. Cam cleared his throat. It's a little consolation, but the Federation means well. Truly, well-meaning or not, they want to kill us. We have to make difficult choices, Jones growled. Earth must be protected at all costs. I don't think Tarva wants to see that side of us. I will 
to support you all, no matter what you choose, I stammered. I, I don't want humanity to die. If you evacuate your people from Earth, they will be welcome in our territory. And though I have no right to ask, I beg of you, show the Federation mercy. The human generals did not respond aloud, but their expressions conveyed a simmering rage. As Noah once told me, the concept of karma was close to their hearts. I suspected any Terran mercy was dependent on the Federation's next actions. The galaxy's prejudice could become a self-fulfilling prophecy. End of chapter. I would just quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and patrons. Caspar Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Barkey, Mid's Difficult to Pronounce, Lord Azrakul, and Arcadia.